0: Um, so I want to jump into the last night of our Passion Fruit sermon series. And everybody says, aww. aww. If you missed any of the sermons, we have them on our podcast. Can we throw up? Just the podcast real quick. Our podcast, you can find it on Google Play Store or iTunes Music. I'm sorry, just iTunes in general. If you have an iPhone, your app, your phone already comes with the, the podcast app. You just search up uh, OU and MBYA, and listen all the sermons we have all years in there. Um, so if you missed it, but we're closing off tonight. We're closing off Passion Fruit. Uh, but what I want to do real quick, I want to recap. Everybody say hi, Alan. Hi, Alan. <laughs> I love you, Alan. He kills the drums, doesn't he? Kill the drums, y'all. Come on, take a bow. Take a bow. Take a bow. Awesome. Thank you. It's drummer love right there, man. Yo, you crushed it, bro. Yeah, rock hard. Yeah. That's like heavy metal, right? I want to recap real quick. I want to recap. So, so the first week of, of, of our Passion Fruit sermon series, uh, so we, we, we took three weeks to talk about passion. We took three weeks. Um, so that's what a sermon series is. all right. We say it a lot of church. Some people don't know. What does that mean? It's a series of talks, so kind of like a Netflix series. Like every, every episode is something different but kind of under the same umbrella. So every week we've been talking about passion just in a different light. Um, week one, we spoke about passion being a gift and that it's a gift that can be used incorrectly. And this is what we, this is what we said. We literally said, listen, passion is actually something we've all been given as people. But the problem is, is, is sometimes we don't use our passion for God, and we use it for other things. Yeah. We use it for ourselves. We use it for things that don't give God glory. So what happens is that you're trying to seek after God. You're trying to be more like Jesus, but you got some passions in the wrong place. So week one, we kind of talked about keeping your passions pure. Because passion is a, is, a, is a deadly weapon. It's a deadly weapon. And, and that night, we literally took our eyes and, and we changed the way we looked at the world. So many churches, they curse the darkness. So many churches look in darkness and they curse it. But we actually put on new goggles and said, listen, the people that aren't in church, it's not so much of the nasty. It's way more of passion used in the wrong way. Which leads to all that stuff. And at the bottom line, listen, if you didn't have a passion for God, if you weren't connected to church, and you weren't doing nothing 24-7, you'd be passionate about those same things too. Because the number one motive in sin is boredom. That's just the truth. Keep yourself busy in the things of the Lord. Come on, somebody. If you do that thing on Tuesday, come to church on Tuesday. We're praying. All right? So that was week one. That was an awesome night. Who enjoyed week one? That was so much fun. Week two, we talked about satisfaction and how satisfaction is an enemy of passion. Because you can get to a place where passion leads you to a certain point and you're satisfied with where you're at, right? Okay, my prayer life is pretty good. I go to church once a month, you know? I I give just a little bit, you know what I mean? I, I sin just a little bit, but I, I pray a little bit more than I sin. And, and, and sometimes we get to the place as Christians and believers in Jesus that we get satisfied with where we're at. So the passion that used to want more is stunted by the satisfaction in our lives. So if you want to keep On in the passion of the Lord. You want to keep on in the passion in the things of God, you got to keep your passion guarded. And you have to have a place where God speaks to you. That's when we spoke about having a secret place. Do you have a secret place that God could whisper into your ear and be with you and be intimate? That was last week. Tonight, the title of tonight's talk is going to be really quick. I want to worship at the end. All right? Uh, The shape of passion. The shape of passion. The last night, uh, Jonathan's going to be speaking next week. uh, He has been praying and fasting for three months. And um, he has a message for you for next week. And uh, we're going to to have Pastor Gabby here on a Friday night pretty soon. So we're going to end this summer off. Yeah. We're going to end this summer pretty strong. All right, all right. So uh, don't miss out. But the shape of passion. Passion has a shape. Passion has characteristics. Passion actually is an image. And what it is is an image of love. If you were, if you were to draw passion out you would begin to do a hoop and curve it down, start at the second point, do another hook and curve it down. And when you're done, kind of put in passion into a picture in the things of God, you'll actually find a heart. You'll find a heart, a heart for people, a heart for you and I. And I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus did, because some of you guys seen crosses and you see Jesus on it. Some of you guys seen movies, some of you guys seen pictures, some of you guys drive by churches Every day, and you see a stained glass, and you see white Jesus on the stained glass, is looking pretty, right? Uh, I mean, we, we see, we, we hear about Jesus all the time. And th- the truth is that one in every four people in the world agree with Christianity. So you can say that the 25% of our world, the billions and trillions of people know who Jesus is. But my thing is, do you really know who Jesus is? Like, do you know him, or do you know of him? And we said this last service, I'm gonna say it again. I, I really believe that there's a difference between knowing somebody and knowing of somebody. There's a complete difference. For example, I, you know, I, I got a big family, right? I got a huge family. I got, I got six aunts and five uncles, y'all. We're like in the 50s of cousins. Like, no, well, you my cousin? Come on, y'all. If I get rich one day, I'm gonna get so many letters from like distant cousins. Hey man, I need some help, you know? I'm just gonna deny them all. Intimate, family only. I'm playing. I'm not playing. I got a huge family. So many cousins, right? And and here's a, like it's so funny because you'll be in a, in a in a group function, right? And then like you could have people you really know and have people you kind of really don't know. So like the conversations with the people you know, they're like deep. They're intimate. They're like, yo, what you did yesterday? Yo, I had so much fun doing. Oh, word, that's so cool. And like people you don't really know is like, hey, how you doing? You make that fake smile, you know what I'm talking about? That's the holiday smile. When you see everybody, you, you kind of know, hey, how you doing? How you, I can't open your eyes, bro. It's like, how you doing? It's like like older grandparents. Grandma, that's a stranger. That's not your daughter. me <laughs> something There's a difference in the conversations with the people you know and the people you kind of don't know. There's a difference. It's possible to know Jesus and not really know him. Because this is what I believe. If you know Jesus for real, you would be in love with Jesus. If I find out that some random dude 2,000 years ago made a way for me to get to heaven, something has to change. Something has to change. Let me give you a glimpse of the gospel. Here's the gospel. You ready? Here's the gospel. The gospel is this. The gospel is is, is a bunch of people kind of just far away from God, just stuck in their own sin, right? And God is in heaven, and God is looking at all these people, and he doesn't see a group. Because, listen, God does not see a multitude. He sees an individual. He wants a personal relationship with you. And listen, every week we're going to be trying to building that personal relationship with Jesus. Because it's possible to be in a congregation and not know the God we pray for. And not worship the God we worship. So God is looking at a group, but he sees an individual. Put your name in there. He sees your name. He sees me. And what he see, he, he sees a chasm. There's a great divide between earth and, and heaven. And, and there's a love, y'all. There's a love that moves. Because there's a love that stays. You know that? You can love somebody. Hey, come over. Nah, you good fam. That's love that stays. But love that goes is deep. Love that goes is wide. Love that goes, it doesn't. I don't care about how I'm gonna look. I don't care that's two o'clock in the morning. I got slides on with no haircut. I'm going. Because I love you. I'm gonna go to you because I I don't care no matter what. No matter what it takes, I'm gonna go to you. So Jesus, he's sitting on the throne, and what he says is, he says, Okay, listen, I'm going to go to earth because I love those people so much. I want want them to have a way to get to the Father. I want them to have a way to get to heaven because I see them in all their sin and and they're kind of just running in circles and they're actually dying off and they're not living how I intended them to live. So I need to show up and I need to go and do some things. I need to heal some people. I need to show them the real way. I need to show them the real kingdom. So Jesus puts on skin, y'all, and he makes a way. He's born through a virgin. Her name is Mary. And listen, the fact that God uses people is amazing. But listen, when God uses a person, it's not to focus on the person, it's to focus on the, on, on the God that's in that person. That's why Mary is worshiped by a lot of people on this earth. Listen, you missed it. God chose a regular girl to do what only he can do. If you do not worship Mary, but well, we actually recognize her as me and you, an ordinary person that God decides to use out of nowhere on an ordinary day. He decides to enter you and change your life upside down. Don't miss the point. God didn't choose Mary to be worshiped. He chose Mary to come into this world. So he chose Mary, Mary, me and you, young person, right? And, and the thing is that Mary had a, had a, had a, little, had a little man. <laughs> His name was Joseph, and and she was a virgin. And and, and the Bible says that that Jesus was literally given to her. Jesus was placed in her womb. It's a miracle. But to Joseph, he was about to swing, all right? Mary, you pregnant what? Whoa, 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 whoa. It was Jesus. What do you want me to do? For real. So God knocked you up. That's what he's trying to say. It was God. And then G- Joseph, he, he goes to bed. He sleeps on it, right? That's like, you know, he's so mad. I'm going to bed. I'm not even going to talk to you. I'm going to bed. Night, night. He had one pillow. No pillowcase. He's laying down. The Bible says that an angel came to him in a dream. And an angel said, listen, Joseph, don't be mad. Listen, don't. It's not what you think it is. God chose Mary, and he chose you to take care of a child who will be the Savior of the world, Jesus. So Mary goes to her pregnancy, gives birth, and out of nowhere, these three dudes show up a couple years later with gifts. We follow the star. He's the man. What's up? How you doing? Y'all know the Christmas story, right? You know it. They give the gifts. And then they flee, but then some, somewhere in Egypt, you know, they, they find a good time to come back. So they come back, and Jesus is a little bit more older, but he's a baby. But th- there's literally a story in the Bible where Jesus is gone. And Mary's like, Jesus, where you at? Jesus. He's like, woman. He slides out of nowhere. He's like, woman. <laughs> She's like, what? Where have you been, Jesus? I was in the temple in my father's work. Yeah, come on. Come on. Jesus is a baby beast, y'all. Imagine playing hide and seek with Jesus. 27, 28, 29, 30. <sighs> Caleb, get out of the get out of the kitchen. <laughs> hey, uh, hey Mary, I, I need you to I need you to get off that camel over there. I can see you. The worst person to ever play hide and with. <laughs> Chef tag with him. He likes teleporting. He's like, where are you going? Where are you going? Like, Dang, Jesus! Man, that's a, that's a good movie, right? I'm going to write a, I'm a movie. Yeah. Jesus as a child. <laughs> Anyways, I'm having too much fun. So then Jesus grows up. And, and it's when he, he becomes 30 that his ministry begins. And he chooses a wedding to do the first miracle. And, uh, and your Bible is broken into half, Old Testament, New Testament. And Jesus actually comes into the world in your Bible, literally, in Matthew. But, but 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 spiritually he's in the whole Bible. And in, in, in the in the old testament, they talk about Jesus, they're referencing Jesus. A Savior's gonna come, a Messiah's gonna come, prophesying literally hundreds of years with different writers, hundreds of years separated, all talking about a person that's gonna show up. Literally, it, it's amazing. I I was studying I was studying I was studying the kind of like the probability. Probability is if I have a bunch of balls in a box and, and I pick a ball what's the chances of me picking that ball? Um, and just so you know, the odds of one prophecy being right in the Bible, just really quickly, is, is one in one, one, one in one trillion. And there are, there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, but the odds that somebody in that time was writing about a Jesus that's gonna show up in their time, the odds of that being right is one in one trillion. Basically, the chances of that prophecy being right It's it's like a dollar coin, imagine a dollar coin stacked up two feet high, two feet high spread around the state of Texas. The probability of someone being right about their prophecy in the time they wrote it and when Jesus came in is one in one trillion. So imagine a trillion coins stacked up two feet high spread out in the state of Texas and you got some dude in an airplane jumping off, landing, digging deep and picking it. That's the chance of the Bible of one prophecy being correct. So it is not luck. It's not man writing it. It's God writing it through man. So in the Old Testament, literally, you have all these prophecies. Jesus shows up, and and he becomes 30 years old. That's when he starts his ministry. And and literally the first miracle, it's it's so, thank you so much. I'm getting a little hoarse. (laughs) In the book, Jesus becomes 30. And you know what his first miracle is? He's in a wedding. They invited little Jesus, the carpenter, to the wedding. He's chilling. There's a bunch of cups out. They're like, yo, we ran out of wine. Jesus like, "Word." So they start filling up the cups with water. All, all, the, all the mugs, they start filling up with water. And he, go, he, he tells the waiter, he goes, hey, hey check, check again. Check, check, check the water. And they look like, yo, it's full of wine. Yo, Jesus did that. He stood up. He's like, what's up, y'all? It's me. Let's keep this party going. Jesus begins his ministry at the age of 30. But the thing is, is that the people in his time, they missed who he was because of how humble he was. They missed it. And out of nowhere, they be- he begins to become an enemy. Although people love him, it was illegal to love him. It was illegal to, to worship him. It was illegal to follow him. And out of nowhere, Jesus ends up on a cross, y'all. And they say, He claims to be God. That is blasphemy. We need to kill Him. And Jesus is up on the cross. With all power in his hands, he can fly off the cross. He can disintegrate everybody. But listen, he's still on that cross. And you know what he thought about? He thought about the middle of summer of 2017 on a Friday night when somebody's going to say yes to him. When somebody's eternity was going to change forever. He's still on that cross. He said, listen, I need to die because they need to live. I need to take the issues. I need to take the pain. I need to take the nails so that they may have life. Because, listen, you don't need to be taught how to do bad. You know that? No one got to teach you how to steal. I mean, to steal smart, yeah. (laughs) Some of y'all bad (laughs) deeds. It's just real. You don't got to be taught how to sin. No one had to teach a three-year-old how to lie. They just lie. What, what, you ate that lollipop? No. Candy all over their mouth. You gotta teach nobody how to sin. And, and and that's why Jesus came. Because the end of sin is destruction and life away from God. And that is not where you were intended to be for the rest of your life. You're intended to be in heaven. So Jesus is up on that cross. And he's looking and he's thinking and he's contemplating and he's crying. And He's going through pain. But he's saying, listen, if it wasn't me, it was going to be Carl. If it wasn't me, it was going to be B. If it wasn't me, it was going to be him and her and him and her. And I'll take it because I love them. Because I love them. All right, that's enough for my intro. (laughs) It's the book of John. I'm playing, y'all. I'm playing. Book of John, verse 15. Anybody have a Bible? Anybody have a Bible? Check that. Listen, we're, we're a church for the unchurched, all right? If you don't have a Bible, on your way out, we got Bibles for you, all right? Amen. It's the book of John, written by John, all right? That's a little Bible fact. Usually the names are written by the people who wrote it. And this is what it says. Let's read together. I'm about to close out. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So, so picture the Trinity. You got God the Father, God the Son. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And and, and Jesus is saying, listen, as the Father loved me, I love you. And I love this. It says, abide in my love. definition of, a, of abide is to accept and act in accordance with. To accept and to act in accordance with. There's a difference between knowing God loves you and abiding in his love. Because when you abide in his love, you accept it and you act in accordance with, when you abide in his love to abide, when I used to play video games, I used to play Call of Duty, and the the, the people that I really disliked, code word for the people I hate playing with, are the people that in the back of the map with snipers, we call them campers, all right? Girls, stay with me, all right? So we call them campers because they stood in one place and, and they literally, they didn't move. All they did was just shoot people from far distance. So while everyone's having fun running around, there's a camper all the way in the back who stood where they're at and they weren't moving. Listen, a camper is a Christian who abides in God's love. I'm not going nowhere. It looks like you are having fun over there, but I'm staying over here because I'm going to abide in the love of God. I'm going to act in accordance. Back to the verse. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. Camp in my love. And then this is the result of living and, and breathing and camping and staying in the love of God. Listen, listen what happens. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Keep it there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Listen, there is a connection between loving God and keeping his commandments. The thing is, is that so many people are confused in life when they believe that they can love God and still do whatever they want to do newsflash, loving Jesus is going to make you do some things that you don't want to do. Then you're you're faced with a question, am I living for God or am I living for myself? Because the truth is you cannot live for God and still have something to say about what you're doing. You cannot live for God and trust half of the Bible. You need to trust the whole Bible. Because if you don't trust the whole Bible, then you trust a little bit of yourself. If you don't trust the whole Bible, then you trust a little bit of your motives. If you don't trust the Bible, then you trust a little bit of just what you think is right. But when I said no to myself and I died to myself and I raised my hand at the end of service, I said yes to everything God wants for me. There's a connection. Hear me. There's a connection between loving God and obeying his commandments. And then it says, as we continue on, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. Here's another thing. To love God, that's what you got to do. Love one another as I have loved you. Listen, to abide is to love people. To abide in his love is to love people. And here's the reality, y'all. I believe if a true connection happens vertically, then there has to be a connection that happens horizontally. I'm tired of seeing mean Christians because you don't know the Jesus you serve. I'm tired of seeing people that are holding on to unforgiveness and are so bitter and claim the love of Jesus. But listen, if you claim the love of Jesus, you need to let people go. You need to let forgiveness go. You need to get to a point where you say, I'm not going to be under this. I'm going to get over this. And I'm going to give away forgiveness because I love you. I'm tired of seeing mean Christians because you're reading about a a Jesus you do not understand. You're reading about a Jesus who is perfect, who is blameless and sits with sinners. And you still judge your neighbor. I think you missed the point. Listen, Jesus is perfect. If anyone felt disgusted in front of sin, it was Jesus. If anyone felt disgusted because of people, it was Jesus. But in fact, he washed the feet of his followers. He sat in tables and talked and ate and sat with tax collectors, aka thieves. He sat with them. He talked with them. He walked with them. I I, I love Jesus, y'all. And the thing is that sometimes you can get caught up in loving Jesus so much... You Forget about the people next to you. When Jesus says, literally, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments and you'll love one another. As we continue to read in the verse, greater love has no one than this. So, this is the best type of love. It's the love that someone may lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. There's, there's a old worship song. I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, come on Danny, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend, church songs used to be so whack, come on let's go, I am a friend of God, hey hey, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. That, that's, that's, that was lit worship back in the day, y'all. That was lit, like, I am a friend of God. I'm a friend. It's my dial. That was lit worship. That was, like, song number one. We do, like, real love, this is real love. Back in the day, we're like, I am a friend of God. Yo, worship used to be lit. Now nah, I'm playing. We're living the best days of worship, y'all. But listen, you're my friend if you do what I command. I call you friend if you listen to me. The problem is is that we. I am a friend of God. And on Monday, we do whatever we want to do. And we love who we choose to love. And we reach out who we choose to reach out to. But listen, when you're a friend of God, listen, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I'll go. Who do you want me to talk to? I'll talk to them about you. The true gospel, listen, to abide is to love people. To abide is to love people. To abide in his love is to be called his friend. And to be called his friend is to obey his commandments. Listen, next point. I'm no more mean Christians. No more mean Christians. Listen, you know who Jesus was mean to? You know who Jesus embarrassed in public in his time? You want to know who he was roasting on? He was roasting on somebody. Come on, somebody. He was roasting on somebody. And I'm not giving you a green light to roast anybody, but, but you know who he was roasting on? That's a, that's a cool name for, like, making fun of. Someone's like, roast? Think about chicken. I'm hungry. He said, rotisserie? No. <laughs> you know who Jesus was mean to? Jesus was mean. Stay with me. I'm trying to stay with myself. (laughs) Jesus was mean to the Pharisees. Pharisees, a.k.a. the religious people of their times. Jesus looked at Pharisees and said, you guys are evil. And they walked. Listen, they memorized the whole Bible. They walked. With just so much swagger, right? Just above everyone. They obeyed the law. They called out people who didn't obey the law. And and one of them said, listen, God, isn't isn't it a sin to do this? Isn't it a sin to do that? Isn't it a sin to have sex before marriage? And Jesus looks at them. He says, listen, it's a sin to have sex in your heart. He took the boundaries and he pushed them. You think it's a sin to kill people? It's a sin to hate people. You think it's a sin to have sex? Listen, it's a sin to have sex before marriage, even if you do it in your heart and in your mind. <laughs> Tell your neighbor it's deeper than that. Deeper. Tell your neighbor it's deeper than that. Deeper. You thought that was a sin. Listen, Jesus said, listen, I'm not about, I'm not about behavior modification. I'm about soul transformation. It's not about what you do, it's about your heart. It's not about what you do. It's about your heart. When leaders fall, because leaders do fall. We're we're not perfect. When leaders fall, the first thing I look at is not what they did. How's their heart? Because they can fake what they do and still do what they do in private. And Jesus is exposing these religious people that are loving their neighbors with stones in their hands. That are loving God with stones in their hands. And Jesus appears in the Bible. You got to read your Bible, y'all. It's like crazy. He sees a woman who just got caught in adultery, in the middle of the day. Who, anyways, whatever. So she's caught in the middle of broad daylight. She's she's probably naked in the middle of the street, and they got stones in their hands. They said, "If the law says if someone's caught in the act of adultery, they are to be killed and stoned." And she's there, and Jesus is there. He doesn't say a word. He goes to the sand. And he begins to write something on the floor, and it makes out, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. When you think it's your job to judge, you miss the point. When you think it's your job to take the truth and rub it in people's face, that's truth and no grace. Because listen, Jesus didn't do that with you. You were given grace, then you were told the truth, and not the other way around. No more Christians tweeting out what's right and what's wrong. Let's treat out the love of God. And we'll talk about that stuff later but I need to set the table before we have a conversation. And that's why you think the church is actually ostracized in 2017 and not accepted as fast as they should be because we're giving out truth before grace. Listen, there's two types of people that tell you your breath stinks. They say, yo, your breath stinks. And everybody looks at you like, your breath stinks. But then there's people like me, good Christians, right? We'll take you to the side and be like, yo, your breath stinks. Here's some gum. What type of Christian are you? Do you have a, a place of intimacy where you, because uh, you can't pull somebody to the side and not know them. You gotta have some type of relationship. And I'm not just telling you what's wrong with you. I'm giving you a solution to what was wrong with you. To love Jesus is to love people. And I love this one. To abide, to abide is to be humble. To abide in the love of Jesus is to be humble. It says in Proverbs 18:12. It says this. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. James 4.6 says this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It says in Luke 14.11, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's fancy words for this. If you seek After the wrong things, you'll be exposed. But if you seek after the things of God, God will elevate you. God will elevate you. God will show you to the, look at my good and faithful servant. Look at this person. Look, look, look at them. And listen, what's, what's greatest about them is not their talents or their gifts. What's greatest about them is their love for me and their humility. I want every head, Bobby, I close in this room tonight. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, actually. As we close off this series of passion fruit, man, I believe the love of the Father is all over this room right now. Every head, Bobby, I close. Nobody looking around. Nobody judging. It's just you and Jesus tonight. Come on, forget about the person to your left. Forget about the person to your right. There are some friends in here that have never said yes to Jesus. Come on, let's sing Almighty Maker. There's some friends in here that have never made a decision to follow Jesus before ever. And what I want to do, listen, there's a response to tonight's sermon. It's like a call and response. God is calling your phone. It's your job to pick up. God is ringing your phone. Ring, 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 ring. Are you going to pick up? the phone, and begin the conversation with Jesus. Listen, tonight I'm going to give you a, an opportunity to say yes to God for the very first time ever. If you're in this room tonight, if you never really said yes, to, you never jumped into a church, you never jumped into the things of God, you never you never really ever started this relationship with Jesus. Listen, I believe the moment of salvation is right now. This is a time to say yes, do not let it pass you by. The, the Bible says that the gospel is good news. It's news that actually makes you want to act towards it. It's news that makes you want to say yes. So on the count of three, let's begin to pick up. If you want Jesus on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand as a sign of surrender. On the count of three. All over this place. Hands are going to go up in a minute. Come on. on the count. When I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up. Ready, one, listen, the moment of salvation is now, don't let it pass you by, two, come on, the majority of the people in this room have made this decision, we're with you, we're together, there's no judgment, we're with you in this decision, if you want Jesus on the count of three, shoot your hand up, one, two, three, hands are going up all over this place, shoot your hand up, shoot your hand up, here you go, one, two, three, four, five, go ahead and put your hands down. You know what I want right now? I want everybody standing up. Everybody stand up. Amen. Six people said yes to Jesus tonight. You can make a little bit of noise. Come on. What I want you to do is hold the hand of the person next to you. why don't we pray together for the six people tonight that said yes, let's pray together with them. Come on, everybody say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I repent of my sins and I run towards you. Lord, I believe you are the Lord of lords. You are the one true God. And I receive your son Jesus as my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, enter my soul and change my life. And everybody says, Amen and Amen. Just a little bit of no.